The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hats and Minded, the preview of the Atlantic Division. I think I got it right today. I didn't say the Athletic Division, uh, but it is the Atlantic anyway. And uh, we're back. It's with a team that I have to be honest to say I don't know very much about. I know Bobrovsky and I know Barkov. And I know Barkov fell in the draft because everyone thought he was rushed. On the other hand, I'm joined by arguably one of the best people that covers the Florida Panthers. And that's Erin Brown of the Hockey News. Thank you for joining me, Erin. Thanks for having me. It's great because we were just talking about this prior to recording. I feel like Florida is always underestimated. And the one thing we know, except for Bobrovsky and obviously Barkov, is that you used to toss mice on the ice. We still do. You still do. You see, I don't they even get that do. right. <laughs> it was it was the most uh, uh, surreal thing last night because uh, so I was at the game against uh, Dallas at home, and uh, obviously the Panthers won six three. And after all the preseason games, they're doing shootouts. And after the Panthers won, people threw the rats on the ice because that's the tradition. Uh, and then it was like, oh, that's right, there's a shootout. So they're doing a shootout with rats, you know, <laughs> pushed in the end zones, and it's just it was just a strange thing so yes it's still it's still a tradition down here um yes it's, yeah. it's, I, it's I a great tradition though well. i think it's a great one it's good it's good i i think uh there was a time for a while when the team wasn't very good that uh it kind of disappeared probably in the 2000s that was just a horrendous decade for the team and um and, and i was happy to see i think probably around 2012 when they finally made the playoffs again uh, people brought the, the rats back. It's, it's, yeah, it's part of their identity. And um, I wish they'd play it up more, uh, kind of the way um, Detroit does with the octopus. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's part of that identity. And I, I'm just a big builder on, you know, if this is your team's history, build on it, build on it. Like, it's, Especially it's a new team, it. really. You need, you need that kind of thing to build upon and, and create your own legacy in a way. Yeah. And I think even to stand out um, among the teams here, I mean, and and this is, I guess we're going to get into what we were talking about before you hit record, but um, yeah, like you figure they're in a market that's a very difficult market to be in. And, um, and for a couple of reasons, one, you have the Miami Dolphins who have had uh, over 50 years here. Uh, You have a college program in the Miami Hurricanes who won five titles uh, and, and is well-regarded football in Florida, especially South Florida is religion. And, um, if you look at, uh, the numbers that the NA, um, or sorry, the NFL released recently, it's a huge, huge numbers from South Florida in terms of representation. Um, they also have to contend with the Marlins who, uh, you know, we have a big Latin American, mm-hmm. uh, community who loves baseball, uh, even though the Marlins aren't doing well. 
Uh, and then also the Miami Heat won three titles, brought LeBron James in. So who, who, I don't know that LeBron James guy. Who is he? <laughs> no, of course. He, he played for Cleveland for a couple of years, I think. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, obviously, as you say, the market is stacked. Yeah. And then obviously you have a, a, a next door neighbor that won the last two Stanley Cups, along with being in the final of the year previously. Um, it, I, I understand the market, but... Going back to what we started with, in a way, yeah. why is Florida Panthers always underestimated or the little kid on the block or, or however we want to put it? I think because they were, number one, they were bad for so many years. And this was something I was talking to someone else about recently, that you, you have to feel for the, the group that's in control now because they ended up taking over a team that had such um, just negative, just a negative experience. When you lose for 12 years without making the playoffs, and then you haven't won a playoff series in 25 years, that, that you, you have just an, an unbelievable burden that you have to shed to uh, regain the trust of fans to say, yeah, we, you know, you know, we're serious about this. And, and to some degree that the Marlins have gone through this too, down here where they kept, selling off good players so so there's it's not a great sports market I know people are going to give me crap about that if if they're in Florida but that's just the truth when you see poor numbers in attendance I mean even the Dolphins have had issues so so that's part of the problem and then when you are probably the lowest on the totem it's just you just don't get the attention so great example in the time I have covered the Panthers I've done this since 98 um there used to be three newspapers that covered this team with, um, you know, beats that traveled. Well, the media market here is struggling as well. There is not a full-time beat writer. A guy like George Richards, who covered the team for 10 years uh, for the Miami Herald, then went to the Athletic. They, those, like, he's had those jobs cut because, you know, they don't, people don't see the Panthers as a team that is worth covering, unfortunately. And it's a big mistake because now this is going to be fun to see uh, how many people suddenly realize, oh, my gosh, this is what we've ha we have in our backyard. So it'll be very interesting. I'm, you know, again, having seen the full spectrum of how this has evolved over time, um, I think that's that's where we're at. And again, it, it's just not a lot of good like local media that, that there was in the past. It, they they fall off the radar and 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 obviously that's that's why I, I think they probably surprised a lot of people last year uh doing as well as they did uh finishing fourth in the league it's the best season they've ever had <laughs> um and then you know not obviously they didn't beat Tampa they made that a pretty good series it had everything it had um it had the offense it had uh the goaltending uh, well sometimes for Florida, <laughs> um, but, but it had all the elements. It had the, the hate that was, that was dark sometimes, but it two, two things here. Uh, you, you mentioned the goaltending where we're going to get to that in a second, but, but has it created that kind of Derby, as we say in Europe, where, where it is like next door neighbors that really fight for the attention or is Florida still the underdog compared to Tampa? I think you have to still say they're the underdog because obviously know, with it with the Tampa championships. has three cups. Tampa yeah. has three cups. Florida has, I think, three playoff series wins. 
Yeah, they're the underdog. Is it the little kid on the block or 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 the little little brother trying to fight up and 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 get there? And you have this kind of you know, and with Liverpool and Manchester United or or Barça Real or or um, what should we say Dortmund and 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 Bayern? You know, like you have this rivalry. But yeah, I was gonna say in in the U.S. you'd probably argue, you know, Yankees Red Sox. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I think, but I know, but, Grant, but the Derby's which which is really the next, like essentially from the same city, but at least next door neighbor. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's something that I think, uh, especially after this, this first playoff series that um, I think the rivalries rekindled. That was something that uh, I believe it was Mackenzie Weger talked about last night after the the Dallas game that, you know, we're, we, we, that was circled on our calendar, a preseason game. Yes. Was circled on their calendar. And I think, this coming week, I believe they have three games against them. I believe one in Tampa, one in Orlando, one in South Florida. Um, yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's still the there's still the little the little brother, but I think last year, even though they maybe got knocked down by the big brother, they landed some punches, and I think that during the off season, they realized we did land some punches. We can go back and fight harder. And I think they did that not just on, we're not just, I think, seeing it on ice, but I think that even in the upper tiers to say, you know what, let's go get a guy like Sam Reinhardt. Let's go bring in a guy like Joe Thornton, even if he's not going to play a full schedule. Let's bring a guy like him in who is just that extra push in the locker room. This, the a very similar way to um, how Patrick Hornquist was that he was a drive, a driver in that locker room. Um, so I, I think that, you know, every, every rain has to fall. Nobody, you know, I know the Montreal has 20, Montreal has, where are we up to 26 now? 26? 24. Everyone will love me. Cause I said 26. Right? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> 24. Should, they will hate no, me for correcting you. <laughs> I think it's the Yankees that are 26. My apologies. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so, but they didn't get 24 consecutive Stanley cups, right? Yeah. Like th- there, there will be a time where, where there is a change. And um, is it this year? I really don't know. Um, I, I haven't followed Tampa enough, but I, I feel just in looking at, I've, you know, watched in full uh, three of the four preseason games and even the kids that Florida has basically Florida put out, what is going to be their minor league team in Charlotte against a pretty formidable Dallas stars lineup a couple nights ago, mm-hmm. they beat the stars and they looked pretty good doing it. You could see where there was that inexperience, but, but the fact that that's the kind of depth they have now, um, that's something they have not ever, ever had. Well, in- if you haven't made the playoffs in like eight years, you know, you're going to grab that kind of attention with your, with your prospect pool. Uh, yeah. On on the other hand, if, if we look at it and, and bringing up one of these guys that you definitely have on or, and everyone else had on their radar the draft here, Spencer Knight, is he ready to to maybe take over the reins properly from Bobrovsky or or how will this goaltending tandem work this year? I don't think he's going to get it outright. I, I think that he's had a total of six games, which have been phenomenal. Um, but it's six games. Uh, I think there's also um, 
fair reason to not want to rush him. Um, we've seen too many situations where a guy who's really young gets called up um, and, and just at some point it hits them, right? I don't, I don't know if it's hit Spencer Knight yet. Um, he, he still almost plays um, in, in the way he talks. It, it almost seems like, and, and please don't, don't think I'm putting you know, words into his mouth, I'm, I'm not, but from my perspective, it almost seems like he sees what he's doing as this endless pickup game and that he gives up a goal, no big deal. The game's going to continue to go on and on and on, and he's just got to be better and better. And, and so there's this, there's this really cool mentality to him um, that is just, you just don't see that very often, but at the same time, he is still young. And even though he has all these accolades, I think he's still got to earn it. So, you know, with camp right now, you know, I don't know, how is this going to, to play out to start? Is it something where just um, very similar to how they did last year with Chris Drieger, where it was just platooning back and forth, back and forth. He played the hot hand. I don't think there's any reason to get away from that. Um, but at the same time, uh, realizing that, you know, this, this could be great for the Panthers. You play the hot hand, but there's also that, deep possibility that you're going with Bobrovsky who can sometimes be fickle you're going with Spencer Knight who is still a kid in learning uh if if both hands get cold <laughs> you know what do you do what do you do in that case uh do you have a guy like a Chris Drieger who is has that experience and could be a stabilizing force they don't have that necessarily because we just don't know um you know, will pressure ever get tonight? Is there reason to think it will? No, he hasn't shown it yet. Even at international levels, it, high, high level uh, competition, he hasn't shown it yet. Um, so it's, it's, just, it's just a question mark. It's not to say that he can't do it. It's just a question mark. So I, I think it won't surprise me if there's platooning quite a bit to, to start until they really figure out. But they have, ex they're both excellent goaltenders when they are both on their game. I don't, I don't, I don't know that you'd want, want any other tandem. Um, I, I would certainly, let's put it this way. I would have certainly taken um, the Bob Knight tandem over Vasilevsky. And I think it was McElhinney. I, I'll, I'll take that, you know, even though Bob may not be as good as Vasilevsky, they have the, I think they had the better backup. On the other hand, Knight is that kind of player that can come into the, the league in a similar way as Henrik Lundqvist did as well. If we're going to talk about another legendary goalkeeper that will has his jersey retired in, in come January. But, but I mean, he, he was unknown. He wasn't that pedigree that Knight has with him, but he was still young and took over the, 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 the Rangers out of nothing, more or less. We're listening to, to Aaron Brown ringside at twitter please follow her great insights for arguably one of the more unknown teams in in, in the atlantic division and and it's not going to be unknown for a long time anymore because it is actually on the way up and and looking at the the defense you you have some really you've got ekblad you got one of my old favorites from sweden forsling um mm -hmm. you got gudas uh Montour is there you know um there there is some really interesting players here I you know what it's I know people are going to say how could you say such a thing in a way losing Ekblad last year was was actually a positive in the sense that it really 
force the rest of that core to mature in a way that they might not have if, if Ekblad had been there. Uh, even Mackenzie Weger finishing in the top 10 for Norris voting. I don't think anyone expected that, but, but because especially he was, he was Ekblad's line mate, right? So when, when Ekblad was in, you know, uh, playing last year, everyone was talking about Ekblad for Norris. Weaker got overlooked, but once Ekblad was gone, I think everyone realized, wow, he's, he's capable as well. So I, I think it's the, it's a fantastic balance that they have uh, for the, for the longest time. They were way too skewed in having too many offensive defensemen uh, or, or at least guys who had that mentality. And, and, and that was a problem um, uh, because, you know, if nobody wants to play defense, if everyone's thinking more about the other zone, this, this is a problem. And it showed, it showed in the numbers, it showed in their, their giveaways. Um, and, and now not having, you know, let's say like bringing in, let's say Agudis over having Mike Matheson still that changed a whole new dynamic. Now they're a little bit more physical in their own end. They needed that. Uh, a guy like Forsling who has the offensive capability, but is also responsible defensively. Um, and then even a guy, same with, with Montour, someone who may not be on the high end of, you know, putting up, you know, 10 goals, 40 points, that sort of thing. He's still, you know, pretty solid defensively uh, as well. So it's, they finally, I think, have the right balance. I think that the Ekblad situation forced them to mature and become more of a core. And I think just getting that Ekblad back is just going to make that defense um, just, it's, it's going to be, I think, unlike something we've seen in a very, very long time here. Um, and even last night, it, it just, um, granted, now Dallas did not field their their best team um you know they, they didn't bring all their nhl players last night but one thing that really stood out in the first period is i believe within the first 13 minutes i believe it was they had a four nothing lead and they'd only given up five shots and they were i um or no actually it was less at that point i think mm -hmm. i take that back i think it was like three shots that they'd given up they were just absolutely dominant with puck possession and it says it, that's we, we don't, we have not seen that. <laughs> so there's, I think they finally have a core, they have a chemistry, they have talent in that group. Um, it'll be really exciting to see. And you know what, that can help a guy like Bob. It can help a guy like Knight. Um, I think it'll help more um, Bob <laughs> than it will Knight. Uh, but, but I think it's an important piece that they, I think they may finally have. Indeed, and, and it is an interesting mix. We've seen quite a few of the teams beef up a little bit on the on the blue line. You mentioned it as well that Florida did, obviously because of the Islanders' success and, and not to forget Montreal's success where the four big towers more or less, you know, just killed everything and and didn't play the puck even. They, they just exited the zone and, and, and dropped it off and let the, the, the others chase for it but but or, or create turnovers in... in very early in, in their own defensive zone. But but your offense is also a little bit underrated. I'm looking at the list here and I go like, yeah, you know, Sam Bennett is there, Barkov, obviously, Duclair, Hubendro. Uh, but then you go like Hernquist. He's been in there for ages. Um, you got two rings, you know. Mm -hmm. I could have two rings if I played with the Crosby as well. But no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but but th there are some very interesting names further down the lineup as well. Uh, Ryan Hart, as an example, Lundell, will he challenge for a spot this year? 
Right now, I, I believe he's injured, so haven't seen as much of him, I think, as as we'd like. I I I really think he, based on what he did in Finland last year, I think he's ready. I mean, he he, he was dominant among men there, so yeah. why would he not be here? Um, and and they wouldn't be thrusting him into a you know, a top six role where there's that added pressure, like a, a third line center, which is kind of where I envisioned him before, before he got hurt. Um, I, it was just right. It was just right. Because even, even who he would be playing with on the third line right now, that to me would look like Frank Vetrano, who can score <laughs> and, and Hornquist who can also score. Um, I realized that his goals might be more of the, right in front of the net, you know, <laughs> get the deflection, but they, they count. And, yeah. and you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's, that's a line that um, I think he would be, be great on because he wouldn't have to maybe bear the physical brunt of things. Uh, he can be more the playmaker. He can be more responsible, responsible defensively. Uh, and, and I think he could thrive there. Um, right now they have a, each Listerine and playing the third line, but um and he did, he did well last year, but he kind of fell off um, the, the depth chart a bit toward the end of the season. So um, right now, I think there's still that question mark. And it really just depends on, I think, how well Lundell heals up. Um, and, you know, if he goes to Charlotte for a little bit to just kind of get his feet under him, I think he would be back pretty quickly. Someone um, told me from Finland last year that he really slows the game down to his pace. He He... It, which is a skill that is is might work a little bit better on the European rinks, but mm-hmm. but also can work very very well in 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 the NHL. Um, do you see him progressing from that third line into maybe a second line center? Not yet. I mean, not down yet. The line. Just, down the line. Down the line. Yeah, I don't. I don't see why not. I I don't see why not. I think. Uh, I try never to look too far in advance <laughs> on those sort of things because you never know how, you know, just contract situations, that sort of thing is going to play out. But Offer I mean, right sheets now, I've heard are a bit difficult as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, and you know what? That's, that's, um, that's actually a good point. You know, I hadn't thought of that, but um, there's going to be a point where, you know, if, if, um, not not this season, but I think next season, especially when Yandel's buyout comes into play, they're going to be really deep on that that cap hit with dead weight, and that is also the first season that Barkov's new contract will come into play. It's the last season of Uberdo's contract. Uh-huh. You know, taking taking a run at one of their kids would not be a surprise. That really would not be a surprise. Um, and to be fair, uh, Carolina really showed how to work it this year. I think. Before they they you, you try to put the the other team in difficulties, but here mm-hmm. he it was like you actually stole the player as well. Yeah, and and that's that's one thing that you know sorry to get veer off a little bit when when they did the Yandel buyout. Like I realized there were a lot of situations that you know they had to plan to. There was a, a no trade clause, those sort of things. So what do you what do you do, right? But um, but it's just one of those. I'm like, this is gonna this might come back to bite. That's a lot of money to be lose. I think it's that, that year they're going to have at least, at least a, uh, they're going to lose 6 million in, yeah. in cap hit. And that's a, that's a lot of money. You know, that's, that's, you know, that's a top player's salary that you have just lost. And and I don't think we can expect that there's going to be much, um, 
growth in the cap, especially after the past two years. So, um, and, and, and again, you have two of your big names coming up. So uh, do I want to say that this is a, you know, a, a, a situation that won't be fixed or, you know, we're, we're being alarmist or anything? No, because I didn't think Mike Matheson's contract would ever be traded and Bill Zito pulled that off. (laughs) So, uh, so you know what, I, I'm, I, I don't know. I'm, I don't try to project too much or predict, but that just, that just looks at me as like, Oh, oh, this is going to be something to worry about possibly. Looking at, looking at the lineup this year and, and you have to guide us here because obviously, um, we're Montrealers. We don't really know anything about any other team but our own. <laughs> but, but obviously Barkov. But how, um, who, who do you see that first line go this year? So right now, um, it looks like it's going to be Verhege, Barkov, and Reinhardt. Um, that's that's kind of what was projected, and that's what they've gone with in uh, in preseason. Uh, there's no reason to think otherwise, uh, especially because their second line then, I'm assuming you were going to get to that too. Yeah. Their second line, I think they're keeping intact right now uh, with um, um, Uberdo and uh, Uberdo, Bennett and Owen Tippett. Um, so I think that that was a, a line that really um, blossomed toward the end of last season and in the, in the postseason. Um, as far as that first line with Barkov, uh, last year it was it was a mix. Like it, it was mostly uh, Barkov and Verhage, except when Verhage was hurt. Um, the right side was was sometimes Duclair, who looked great with that that those guys. Um, I think Hornquist got a little bit of time up there, uh, but but I can't now that they have Reinhardt. I can't see Reinhardt dropping out of the the top six. I think that is just a a man that that can that can be a really potent line if you've got you know Verhage on the left who has shown he can finish off Barkov stuff you've got a guy to the right who can finish off stuff Barkov himself if he shoots more he's going to finish off a lot of stuff that's that's going to be a I think a very fun line uh to watch and then as far as the third line goes like I said um right now Listerainen um, I think Lundell does get a chance if if he comes back uh, to to vie for that spot. Um, Vitrano and Hornquist, and then that last line. Um, basically, you know, you have um, let's see, uh, Nola Chari for one. Uh, Mason Marchment um, did pretty well last year uh, in kind of that grinders role, but showed he could score as well. Uh, and, and then I think it's just kind of piecemeal who ends up on um, Achari's wing. I think if you are playing a team where you need the physicality, you bring in Lomberg. If it's something where um, I don't, I don't want to say leadership, um, but just, you know, you, you've got Joe Thornton. Uh, the, and, and right now, Anthony Declare, if you can imagine, is actually on the fourth line. So if you need scoring you've got a skilled guy and declare that can be out there. So it's, I think that fourth line becomes very hybrid <laughs> uh, and, and basically will be, you know, wh- whoever skates that night alongside a char, it's just going to depend on, you know, who, who are they playing and what are the needs to, to match up well against them? I, I think that's how it's going to go. Is Joel Quenwell the, the guy to lead this team on or, or um, is he on the hot seat? Um, Hell no. Absolutely not. No, there, no, no, this, no, there. Oh my gosh. No, no, I don't. I think if they finished last place this year, which I don't think will happen, but I'm just saying if they did, 
No, that's that's Buffalo anyway. We know that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, second to last place. But but no, I I he is he is in the in the in the now this is his third season. I believe he has a five year deal. He is he is cemented. Like they should just you know chisel in stone his name somewhere because the 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 dramatic change that they have uh, witnessed under him is, I mean. He's Joel Quenville. He has three cups for a reason. And I think I think everyone here who is paying attention to the Panthers is saying, oh, yes, <laughs> he, he is. He's the Bill Bell. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't know if uh, you have a lot of NFL. But he's the Bill Belichick of hockey. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what he is right now. And um, um, not going anywhere. Absolutely not going anywhere. I don't like I don't I, I spent a summer in Boston. I'm, I'm, I'm a Red Sox fan and I'm a Celtics fan. But I hate the Patriots and the Bruins, obviously. Well, yeah, down here, you know, Miami fans don't like the, the Patriots either. But but you can't <laughs> deny their nah. success or, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and and um, two things. Um, you drafted, obviously, I'm, I'm going to try to say this, uh, Mackie Samoskiewicz. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, this year. Um, a little bit of a reach. Um, but he's very, very skilled. And let's face it, you take him as 24th, which is sort of like a second round pick anyway. Mm -hmm. um, is he anywhere near playing um, for you this year or is he just no. going to be put in, in the juniors again? So he's uh, he was playing in the USHL and he committed to the University of Michigan. So he's all right, with yeah. all the stud Michigan guys. I, I was um, going to say, I know that team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's he's with the, the stud Michigan guys. Um, I, even um, just I, I think they're at a point in terms of their um, how to say their 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 drafting, their their building kind of. Uh, mentality right now I think what they're doing is it is shifting to the future mm -hmm. uh, I think in the past because again Florida has not been historically a good team you you look at the kind of the different eras of that you know the first time around like the pre-Burray years they were just building a team and then when they were bad the first time then they were trying to rebuild with guys like Stephen Weiss Nathan Horton and mm -hmm. Jay Bowmeister that part failed uh, and then they had to rebuild again with the guys like you know, it originally started with uh, with Good Branson and Nick Bugstad, and then shifted into the Huberdos and Barkovs and Ekblad. Now, now that's where they are. They're in their prime. Their their development has uh, been exceptional and has succeeded. Uh, so I think right now they are um, they're set basically. For roughly the next two to three years, that's that's the window right now with the core because they they signed Reinhardt to a long term deal. They've got Duclair under contract. They've got Sam Bennett under contract. Um, quite a few of the defensemen as well. So uh, so that's the group that if if this is a group that's going to win, this is the group. So all these young kids, um, there's going to be a, a window, and even some of the ones that were drafted toward the tail end of the Dale Talon years, Denisenko. Um, Hepo Niemi, guys like even Sarah Knoll, who has really stood out this preseason, they're going to have some time because there's just no spots up at the top. Um, that's something I always, you know, fans always say, oh, bring this player in. And it's like, okay, you want to do that, but who goes? Who is the one that leaves, right? You, you, you can't just have everybody. So um, I think that, um, you know, in terms of their, their youth movement, 
they're not they're not in that mindset right now. They are in a win mindset. Their window, I think, is two to three years. Um, so even with Sam Miscavige, I don't I, I think they're fine with him playing out some college for two to three years. Uh, that's not a problem um, to, to them. They're they're they don't have a problem with the development. And the other thing to note is to get Reinhardt, they traded a, a first round pick. So, you know, again, right now it's not how do we stock up the kids right now? It's we have the pieces to win. We got to go do this. Is there anyone in, in Charlotte that is the, the um, is going to be next on the call up that we should know about? Um, hard, hard to say, because I think right now with, um, I, I don't, I don't think anyone who was just sent down today. So I think, I believe that included, uh, Sarah Knoll included Denisenko and Hepo Niemi. Um, I, I don't think they're going to be the, the first guys up. Um, I, I think that while they showed progress, they got a teeny tiny bit of experience last year and, you know, didn't show any signs for concern They're It's just going to be incredibly difficult for them to crack this lineup. I think stay in. So I think, uh, especially with the Panthers not having their own farm team last year, they had to send guys to play ironically with the Tampa Bay lightnings farm system in Syracuse. Um, again, it was to get them, you know, just more experience. Um, they, they, they got to play just as much as the Tampa guys did. It was, it was well-balanced. Uh, both, both teams, uh, you know, complimented that they were able to, to do that. Um, so I think this year in, in Charlotte, it's probably uh, trying to bolster those guys. And to be honest, what we saw out of these younger guys um, earlier in this week, when they sent basically their AHL team to Dallas was pretty impressive. So, you know, a couple of people, you know, texting with some, some of my, my peer is saying, is, it, is there a Calder Cup here possibly? And and it's not, I don't think it's out of reach. Um, I, I think they're fine with letting those kids uh, take some time to develop. And and really it's, I think who gets that call up, it's it's really going to be based on on need. Just hopefully so, so you go for the call, uh, Calder as well, and as well as, you know, winning with Michigan for... <laughs> <laughs> You know what? But it's not it's not a bad thing. I mean, if if it gets these guys experience playing at a high level in very high stakes uh, situations, uh, that's something I don't believe in the past. The Panthers prospects had a lot. There's there really as far as I can remember and maybe maybe I'm missing a year or something, but they've never really vied for a Calder Cup. Never. I don't think ever. So so the fact that they have talent that was you know, pushing an NHL team with a decent number of, you know, NHL veterans, um, you know, playing the other night. Again, they showed their inexperience. They had a two nothing lead. They blew it, <laughs> uh, but they they came back and won in a shootout. So, you know, they were able to tighten some things up and I'm sure learn from that experience. But I think that bodes well when you send a bunch of these guys down to, to Charlotte and see what they can do. I have to because you're gonna realize when we record this, uh, it just happened. We Montreal claimed uh, Samuel Montembolt of waivers. Oh well, good timing. Should we talk about Monty? Yeah, come on, do it. Okay, uh, yes, so yes, yes, the yes. floor is yours. <laughs> okay, so um, so so Monty was kind of always a project for them. I think uh, I believe he was drafted third 
round third. I I honestly forget. I Rumor remember has it that Montreal wanted to draft him. And that wouldn't surprise me because obviously he's from that area. I'm actually hearing this news. I mean, <laughs> you just dropped the bomb, right? No, actually, I, I'm I'm actually very, very happy for him um, because I, I know he's from there and that's always a, a dream of kids. And um, so that's that's great. I think he only um, he, he played in the Nashville game, uh, which was the first of their their doubleheader. And he was OK, but he wasn't stand out good and unfortunately it was very clear that um christopher gibson who who bill zito signed this summer so he's a he's a zito product Mm -hmm. montembeau was not a zito product uh and obviously you know it's no um it's it's not to you know rip on anyone it's just this is how the business is right guys bring in guys that they feel comfortable work within the system that they want that sort of thing so um, so Monty, when he played with Florida, um, they were a much different team. They had absolutely no defense and, and he did pretty well under, under pressure. Um, but he still just needed that AHL seasoning. Uh, and, and that was kind of, um, apparent, I think last year, it's not to say he can't be a, a good player. He just, he just needs the time. He needs that time to develop. He's not a Spencer Knight. Um, it's not an, an an insult to him. Um, he just he just needs that time to develop and and hopefully um, hopefully I believe I hope I'm right that Laval is still the Canadians farm yeah. team. That's uh, going to be close to home and and you know what that may be just the spark that he needs. And um, one thing a couple of years ago I did a story about just the process of developing goaltenders, ironically involving Monty. And at the time Florida had. Montembeau and Ryan Bednar, who I believe, oh, I forget where he ended up, but he is not in their system anymore either. And and the discussion was basically that goaltenders take a very, very long time to develop. There it's very, very rare that you get a guy like a Spencer Knight who can come out and just be um, you know, phenomenal from the start. Very, very rare. So so goaltenders take time to develop. They often, because of contract situations, have to go to another team. I think Chris Drieger is a great example of that. He was with the Ottawa Senators for a while and then, you know, had his development time. And then by the time he did that, he found a really good place for him to take that next step in Florida. Um, But even for him, he had to move on somewhere else. So I I think that um, I, I think that just kind of became probably what was anticipated to happen uh just when it was maybe going to happen it wasn't really clear but i think once spencer knight arrived it was it was kind of the writing is on the wall now what happens and then especially with gibson and gibson has just uh had a really excellent uh preseason so uh so yeah that's so i think he's not gonna unseat carrie price anytime soon (laughs) he's not gonna unseat jake allen anytime soon but you know if you have to start with Allen because price is is hurt and you need a a solid game he is absolutely capable of doing it well there we have it we have to see what what comes out of it but but it's interesting anyway um I'm gonna finish off this very interesting conversation with Erin Brown you follow her on on Twitter at ringside to get some more Florida Panthers information you know it's a team with a football logo uh. <laughs> <laughs> that happens quite a bit actually uh funny story there's a school up in the melbourne area of florida tech and they're the panthers and yeah. go look it up their logo is 
it's kind of sad. <laughs> it's really it's sad. Um, but anyway, you go. There, there have been times where uh, that's the logo. I'm not kidding. That that a news station or something has put up. So, you know. Yeah. Um, obviously, you finished fourth in the league last year in points. Um, where will you finish in the Atlantic Division this year? That is a good question. Um, you could take tires. I know some of the others have taken tires, like Tampa, obviously first tire, but then. But you know what? Like I don't, I don't necessarily want to say Tampa. Nah, and if it's you don't, I'm, of... I'm just giving you an example. Like, see, see, this is another thing. Like, I, I always. I always feel paranoid that when I, um, and this probably just goes from so, so many years of being told, Oh, Oh, this is the year. This is the year when you're, when you're young and naive and you believe that, um, it, it, like even someone said last night, you know, they're up for nothing, but something in me having followed this team for so long says that's not safe, <laughs> even though like, there's no reason. Um, you know what I I'm going to say, I'm going to say they're going to finish either second or third. I, I think that, um, I think it's something to be honest. Um, what maybe they need to figure out this year is pacing. And here's why I say that they went into the playoffs last year on a hot streak. And it was one of those at the very end, you just kind of said to yourself, are they peaking too early? Are they peaking too early? And they might've um, because they, they went into that playoff series having just manhandled Tampa. And it was a Tampa team that was not in full strength. And I think that they maybe um, it wasn't a good thing. I don't want to say they were overconfident, but you just you you don't need that. It was a maybe a false false sense of of positivity. I don't know, but I think I think second or third. I think they need to realize that it's a, especially now that everyone's going back to eighty two games. It's going to be a long season. Pace yourself. Make sure you get in the playoffs. But once you get in there, anything can happen. You don't like they fought for home ice last year. It did no good for them. It did no good. So, so I think that's, I think to say, you know what, obviously if we get first awesome, but we just need to get in there. We just need to get in there. Don't, don't over overshoot and burn out by the time you get to the postseason. So I'll say second or third. And I think that would be just um, good, comfortable. Um, hopefully it would get them a good first round matchup that they can, move past <laughs> um and and then go from there i think that's what i think that's actually what they need they don't need um they don't they they need to get past that bottom so they don't draw a tampa type team but um you know getting that second third maybe even not having home ice for that first round could be a positive for them it may really force them to to focus and and you know just really be prepared um in, in a way that they, they maybe didn't know how to be last year. So I think, I think that's a good spot for them to aim second or second or third in, in the division. I'm going to ask, because this is obviously a Montreal Canadian podcast. Uh, where do you see Montreal finish this year? You know, I, I, I admittedly have not watched them in the, in the, preseason i haven't i haven't followed um if if my understanding's correct uh you guys are without price for a little while but yeah it seems like that because they picked up a florida goalkeeper yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i i you know what i think um 
I don't know yet. I, I, that's the this other question with the kids. Is there going to be a sophomore slump? Um, I don't think out of the, the kids that blossomed, um, and maybe I'm wrong and I'm sure, oh, I hope Montreal Canadian, the, the what lady, I hope she's listening <laughs> because she, I, I love her. Like every, every time something Canadians happens, I'm like, oh, I just want to use this gift. What? Um, everyone uses it all the time. I mean, she's like one of the most famous people in Montreal. <laughs> and, I and she's not from Montreal. From yeah, what I exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fantastic. But but I think, you know what? I don't know that they lost the worst out of, or, or the best, I'm sorry. I don't think they lost the best out of that trio. I, if there was no. one player who I thought like, okay, if you're going to lose someone, who would you lose? Like if, if someone, if that was, had to happen, that's the guy I would have thought. I would have thought. And I think that's why they didn't, they didn't match the offer sheet either. Yeah. So, so, but that puts a lot of pressure on the other too and and it will be very curious to see how they respond um because obviously to to do what they did in their their rookie year to to bring a team all the way to the cup is uh is, is amazing and obviously carry price too and and the strong defense and but but i think it it's um it's a unique situation now to you know how do we deal with not having price um not does that put yeah, does that and then does that put extra pressure on your kids? So I don't want to dismiss and disrespect the Canadians because I think they are still formidable. So I would think playoff team, but the then the question is who is the team that's out? Is it a Toronto? Is it a Boston? I I think a maybe a Boston is more likely to be out than Montreal, but and, and, knows, and, nice. and you know what? <laughs> I know your fans. I, I know your fans will like this. You know, I, I feel like the, the Leafs are always on the verge of like they, they kind of remind me of the 90s New York Rangers who just kept buying players, buying players. And at some point it was like, this just doesn't work. Like this literally just doesn't work. So um, so, you know, you wonder you I mean, granted, they have, you know, some great players as well. But you just wonder at what point is that just is it just not sustainable? It's just is it too many individuals whatever reason so who knows like the the Leafs yes they won the division but uh last last year uh standings wise but um but what do they have to show for it you know so I don't know um I I would I, I think out of respect you got to say you know show, Montreal's got to show me a reason why they wouldn't make it again but um but they but if you know, prices out longer than expected. If the kids really cave under the pressure, then then it might not be a good situation there. We've had the pleasure, an absolute pleasure that is as well, uh, to listen to Erin Brown and her insights into Florida Panthers. Erin, uh, thank you. And for the rest of the listeners, please follow her on Ringside to get more information about maybe one of the big underdogs of the NHL this year. And, and this is not, excuse me, this is not to kiss ass, but I will say this, my favorite hockey city, hands down, Montreal. I've been up there like two, three times. I love it. I mean, I like, I do have a Canadians jersey. I have a Guy Lafleur jersey. I do wear it to games if I go up there. To me, to go see a hockey game in Montreal, I imagine is like going to see the, um, going to see the Pope say mass at the Vatican. Love it. Love it up there. Uh, just wish you guys wouldn't pick on us when we come down here. <laughs> <laughs> as you're here, she's a lovely lady as well. So please, please take good care of her when she visits next time. Thank you, Erin. Thank Aaron. you.
This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.